Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business leader or HR leader for that matter, and you're needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you retain and attract that top talent, again, we can help. Check us out to book a free consultation and create a customized benefits package that fits your business and budget. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, the fantastic bike riding Al McDonald. Al, what do you say? How's your day going? The day is going great, as always. We've been away from our podcast for a little while, so I'm looking forward to it. And I guess I can tell everyone today, maybe, that I am going to be back on my bike for August for the Ride for Cancer for Sick Kids Hospital. I've signed up one more time, so we will announce that on our LinkedIn channel, and hopefully we can get lots of support because I'm going to be out there again riding for kids for cancer. And what's your goal this year? How far are you riding? Same as last year, 750K for the month. Wasn't easy, but we're going to try and do it again. All right. That's great. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are involved in that and appreciate there are people like you willing to uh, put it out there. So, of course, we will be supporting that. Well, I'm excited. As Al said, it's summertime. You know, there's a little more patios out there involved. So the, the podcast takes a little bit of a break, but we are back and I am super excited. And before I introduce our guest, I got to give a special shout out to our friend Michael Stannis, who was on the podcast a couple of months ago. And one of the things we do when we meet really good people is say, hey, who else do you know? Because we found out it's pretty much true 100% of the time. They know other good people. And that's how we met today's guest. So joining us today is Adam Spencer, President and CEO at AbleDocs. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks so much, Robin and Al. Great to be here. And Adam, I thought the perfect spot to start, because I think it is quite unique, is with what you do, what your company does. Can you just start by telling us a little more about AbleDocs? Yeah, so AbleDocs is the worldwide leader in digital accessibility products and services. So we make documents and websites accessible for people with print disabilities. It's a legislated requirement in 68 countries and making sure that everyone has barrier-free access to content. It's not something before I met you, and maybe just my ignorance, that I had even thought of. And then, of course, when I first met you, I thought, oh my God, of course, that's, that's so valuable. But how did you find your way into this business? The short, funny story is my mom told me to do it back in 2000 and I guess it was 2009. She was working for one of the banks and and had staff who were blind and needed help and she couldn't find a reliable service provider. So she said, you're good with computers, figure this out. And I ignorantly responded with, I don't know the first thing about Braille. And she responded with, no, you idiot, it's text-to-speech. We have an excellent relationship. So I took a look and a few months later, We were up and running and two and a half months after that, our first client came in the door and it was the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. So it was a bit of feet to the fire to begin with, but almost 15 years later, 
we're now the largest provider of that in the world. So there's got to be a little bit of background here, though. Most people don't just jump into, hey, I'm just going to run my own business. And especially at this scale, like had you had some background before running different businesses, doing some different things? Well, I had started my first company in second year university. A couple of us got together and that was at a time when everyone had network cabling running through their student housing in the ghettos and wireless internet became a thing. And it was a great way for us to meet girls. So we started with running wireless networks at Queens and we did that for a few months. And then I got into another, actually, this was by mistake. We thought we had found a computer for $250. And at that time, my laptop cost 6,800. And we thought we'd hit the jackpot and we were going to sell these computers to everyone. And it turns out that it was just a RAM upgrade. But that got me into tablet PCs before iPads were even a thing. So I ended up dropping out of university to run that business after we signed our first million and then had a great run of success and lost everything. And it was at that point where I was writing business plans for friends as a consulting engagement. My mom said, I think you need to get back into business. And I didn't want to, quite frankly, once bitten, twice shy. And she pulled an I'm your mother and she said, write me a business plan. And so I did. And that plan got shared with the person who became my partner. And we ran that, or I ran the company for nine years and then had falling out. And then we founded AbleDocs. So it's you know life of a serial entrepreneur. I, I kind of joke that I've never had a real job, but you end up running a multinational by accident. <laughs> That's how we got to today. So can we dive a little bit more into, you know, how you've built up Able Docs and, you know, maybe some of the struggles you went through and where maybe that tipping point is around where you say to yourself, you can kind of see the success of the company and maybe consider yourself a bit of a serial entrepreneur. I would suggest that that's a very aggressive moving target from one day to the next, defining whether you've made success or not. There, there are definitely days where it's, okay, is this still a thing or not? And again, I didn't want to start AbleDocs. I guess I'm more of a reluctant entrepreneur than someone who's gone out uh, since the first time. The first time I definitely wanted to. But you know, I was supposed to go to law school and wrote my LSATs and dropped out instead. And I think one of the things that you realize as you build new companies and run them for longer periods of time, the definition of what that success is is completely different. When we started the first company, we wanted to make a million dollars, make our ex-girlfriends jealous and buy Porsches, and then they'd come flocking back to us because we're horrendously successful. We were also 20 and stupid. None of those things happened, and probably for the best. But then... When I started the company before AbleDocs, I wanted one customer. If we could get one client in the door, make their document accessible, finalize the transaction, that was my definition of success. And a lot of that came from a complete lack of confidence in myself, You know, having been on top of the world and then losing literally everything and not having that sense of, I actually know what I'm talking about anymore. You know, everyone all of a sudden goes from your biggest champion to your biggest opponent. And that's a very difficult pill to swallow in a very short amount of time. When it came to AbleDocs, it was, I would say there's a part of it that started with spite. I had a vision as to where I wanted to take the previous company and, and my partner disagreed. And then it was, okay, well, hold my beer and watch this. And as we've continued to grow, we knew that 
we were going to transition from a services-based business into a software-based business. The theory behind the business was always to consolidate the space. There were so many fragments. It was to build a home for people who really didn't want to run the business. They were kind of, again, reluctant consultants that had gotten into the space and then didn't want to build. Whereas I did, and we did, and we're on the precipice of a massive change in the business. We've got operations in nine countries, a team of 200 and something around the world, and that's about to explode into an even bigger team and bigger offerings. And we're now building leading class software for governments and banks and insurance companies. And we do that on a daily basis. We're aggressive with what we've done and not to say that it has been without mistake. Last year, we were on the brink of losing everything. I mean, two weeks before my wedding, my wife, who's also our chief marketing officer, sat me down and said, we're selling the business. We're out. I don't want to do this anymore. And I said, that's not exactly how that works. You can't just sell a business because we're stressed out. But we had a team of executives that were supposed to take over. My outwardly duties, our son was born in November of last year, or sorry, of the year before, and you know, trying to take some time for a family and we almost sank the company and then had to spend the, I guess, well, we're still dealing with it today, the fallout of collapsing a complete division. We shut down our US operations, fired huge names in our industry. And I'm the one left being chastised as too ambitious. Well, I'm ambitious, you just didn't do your job. And in turn, I didn't do my job in overseeing you doing yours. So the fallout with that is we've got to take a different direction. And we have a completely new C-suite and we're on the verge of, and legal will not allow me to share detail, but we're on the verge of something big for the company. And that's what we've been working towards. It's what does that next chapter look like? It's not build it to sell it. It's build it to build it. I love conversations like this, and I appreciate getting introductions to people like you. And our, our first call, which I always call the chemistry call to see if there's chemistry. But what I like about these conversations is you're very open. And I think there's so much value. And this is why this series really took off in the beginning, because the very first one we did was with a CEO. And it was right at the beginning of the pandemic. And he was saying, you know, here's some of the things that I've been struggling with, but here's some of the things that I've done along the way. And I think, you know, you talking about you're supposed to go to law school and then you dropped out of university and you wrote this business plan. So you were talking about getting this education anyway. And I have a lot of questions around that, but I think where I'd really like to start, because I think it's value for the audience is, and I think you touched and you might've been there is entrepreneurs, they all want to succeed. There's this quest within them and, and I have the same. And, and Al's heard me say, I, I want to take the company here and I want to make this much and I want to do this. And sometimes you can lose your way along the way on that quest, right? So what have you seen either personally or kind of in, in your circles about how entrepreneurs lose their way, you know, on that huge quest to succeed? Well, again, it goes back to that comment about the definition of success changes. When you get into business for the wrong reason, not realizing that it is a process, it's an ever-evolving process. And particularly in the tech field, the number of people that come into this thinking that they're the next unicorn, it's not a reality. And it's that level of arrogance that will either lead them down a path that will not be successful. The number of unicorns that happen are you know, a drop in the ocean. 
but there's so much solid opportunity to do things with it. And part of the challenge that leadership has, you get very easily distracted because that's new and shiny. And whether that's in the business or whether that's in your personal life, well, I, now I need a Ferrari. Well, a Ferrari is not enough. I need a Lamborghini. No, Lamborghini is not enough. I need a Rolls Royce. And you play with this never ending quest for something else. Now, that's also what makes an entrepreneur successful. We're never satisfied. There's always that I have to do something more. I can't sit. It's impossible. For me, there's an insatiable quest to push the limit of what is possible. And different types of entrepreneurs follow that path differently. And some will find a dead end and that's fine. I mean, the number of people that have called me and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Will you just take over? Because you keep going. And the answer is sure. Yeah, cool. happy to do it. We acquired a company in February. Same thing, end of the road. They had capped out at their ability. And that's not saying that I won't have that cap out. I question myself every day whether I'm the CEO for this company. And I think that's a healthy thing to do. But it's intoxicating when you find that success to find more success and knowing what to do with it. I know what it's like to lose it. And to think that you won't is just arrogant. You can lose it all tomorrow without even knowing it's going to happen. You just never know. And you've got to be prepared for that. I think that's a good point about having that fear. And I think having that fear is actually healthy, knowing that if you don't live up to those expectations that people have for you, I mean, it can, it can all go away. Before we forget, what's your mom's name? Liz. Liz. Let's give a shout out to Liz because at the top of the conversation, you intimated that Liz was the reason why you were told to get into this business. And, you know, it's not the first time that we've heard a parent having a massive impact on our guest lives. So especially when it's a mom, I got a, you know, soft spot for moms. <laughs> Shout out to my mom too. 81. God love her. We were talking about meeting up for a patio and I'm meeting up for a patio with mom next week. And the last time I met up with her, I said, Hey mom, you know, you do Do you want a glass of wine? And she decided that she wanted to have a martini. So you know what? 81, good for you. Here's to all the moms. So I wanted to say that. But I think, again, I, I appreciate you talking about your journey, but two little things that I want to go back to. Number one is, do you ever have any regrets about dropping out of university? Because it sounds like you got an entirely different education. And then number two, you mentioned your wife was your CMO. What's that like? Would you do that again if you had to? I know you got to be careful how you answer that because someone in marketing is going to listen to this. But, you know, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they look at their spouse. We have family in our business too. I mean, our marketing person, Al is married to, and she does a fantastic job. And I think Al's done a good job of kind of separating, hey, this is personal and this is business. But sometimes that doesn't work out that well. So I'd love to hear your commentary on those two points. In terms of this school thing, when I was considering dropping out, again, both my parents worked for banks. My dad was an MBA, very traditionalist in terms of you go to school, you get a job, everything's going to be fine. And when I was convincing them that taking a year off was a good idea, I said, I will learn more sitting in a boardroom and trying to build this business than I ever will sitting in a lecture hall. And I'm not taking away anything from higher education. It's an important path for many. I don't think it's an important path for all. I think it's a time for someone to mature. I would suggest that I wasn't as mature as I needed to be by the time I left and learned some very aggressive lessons throughout the 
period past that or the last 23 years. Oh no, it's 20 years, 20 years since I dropped out. Goodness me. And I'm two credits short from graduating. And when my company failed out, I had a personal advisory group and one of them was, you know, a senior HR person at one of the banks. And he said, all you can do is go back to school and finish your degree. And I said, why? I'm not going to be hired by a bank. I'm not going to be hired by an insurance company. That's not the path for me. I'm not a career guy. I know that. I am a sales guy. I am a strategy guy. I'm a thinking guy. I'm not a book guy. You know, you, you talked about us connecting through Michael Stannis. The guys in my tech group always talk about all the books they read. I could not tell you the last book I read. I have no idea. I consume content on a daily basis. It's just not what I do. So I have no regrets. I will say as a CEO, I wish I had gone to law school. It would have saved a ton of money on legal bills because I could have written the briefs myself. But no, I don't regret that. And I would say it's more about that growing up phase, that maturity and and critical thinking ability, rather than I can memorize something and write an exam. I do that on a daily basis with work. And it's just a different path. I hope my doctors and lawyers go to school. But you know, for me, I don't think my education is making a difference uh, one way or another. Regarding working with my wife, it is the greatest joy I have every single day. And it is the greatest frustration and source of conflict in our relationship every day. That's not to say I would do it any different. Bluntly, she's the reason that we founded AbleDocs. We were sitting on a plane and she said, you're going to do it. And we're going to build it together. And she comes from a family. Her parents founded a company in 86 and their life was around building the business. I would say we don't know any different. It's just our life. Now, there are definitely times where I can turn it off. She doesn't turn it off as quickly as I do. And one of the reasons that I turn it off is actually because she told me I need to because I had a stress-induced seizure, which is actually how AbleDocs was founded. Worst guy walks into a bar story. Sober as a nun in Scotland, and I just lost everything in the company before this when my partner said she didn't want to sell. And I ended up having a cortisol overdose, and I passed out and dislocated my shoulder. And she's like, so what do we do now? Start AbleDocs. And every day, I wouldn't have done it without her. Because again, I know what it takes to build a company. And it is an entire life's commitment. So when we're sitting at dinner and she's like, well, I want to talk about this meeting. I don't. I would like to talk about anything other than work because I talk about work all day. But then there are benefits to it. I mean, we travel the world together. We have the flexibility to bring our son with us. He hit four continents before he was one. So there are definitely those pros and cons of being able to work together and build something amazing. She's the smartest person I know. She's incredible. The way that she keeps us in line and we're very different personalities. We're both very aggressive people, but we approach things in a way that balances each other out. I'll do things that she would never do and she'll hold us back from doing things that would you know, light our hair on fire. So it's a really good balance between us. And it's what makes us a great relationship. There are definitely days where we don't want to see each other, but at the end we're best friends and we've built something incredible. And again, getting to this transition point, it's what we've been working our our lives for. So it's amazing to be able to celebrate the victories and work through the challenges with the person that matters most to you. That's awesome to hear. And I I think that's the challenge, right? And that's the challenge 
for Al and his spouse. And we have another partner who has family in the business as well. And, and even my wife is not in the business, but sometimes, you know, at the end of the day, she'll ask about what went on during the day, but I'm done by that point. I don't want to recount what happened during the day. And that's a little unfair because she does want to know what's going on. She knows everybody in the business. I mean, she's known Al for 20 odd years. So it's a little unfair. So I have to balance that out. Like I want to share, but I also want to be able to shut down at the end of the day and not talk about work. Like let's, let's move on. So it sounds like both of you have figured out a way to make it work and have fun and still growing the company. Kudos to you for your son hitting four continents already. I'm a big fan of traveling. So anytime I hear that, I mean, that's great. And what an experience that as if you continue to do that for your son to be able to continue to do that and and get that education as well as as you continue to travel. Yeah, it's definitely one of those uh, we're challenged right now. We've got a trip in September. I'm in Europe and North Africa and Tara's in China. And we're trying to figure out, well, where does Aston go? So we're not sure yet. I don't think we've figured out those logistics, but it gives that flavor of life. I mean, he's able to experience things and we're able to experience things together that if we had a traditional quote unquote job, just wouldn't be the case. I would say that's probably the biggest perk that we get from the need to travel for work and being able to do it together. I have a sneaking suspicion because it's time in the podcast for Al's signature question. And I just have a sneaking suspicion you've got a good answer for this because, you know, I've really enjoyed this conversation because I think especially people who are struggling out there who are trying to figure it out, young people are trying to figure out what the next move is, having those days where you, you know, as you said, you want to pull your hair out. I think it's really healthy to have conversations like this and hear conversations where you realize other people are struggling too, right? As you said, those unicorns are few and far between. And then the rest of us, are just trying to build something that we're passionate about, that we really believe in. And I think like you, Al and I both really believe in the value of what we provide. I definitely see the value in what you're doing. So Al, I'll let you take it away with our signature, well, your signature question, and I'm happy to listen. Yeah, thanks. And before I just jump into that, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've been sitting back, listening and taking this all in and you know, a couple of things that really struck me. And you know, you said at the beginning, Adam, that you know, you were the reluctant entrepreneur, but that being said, everything you've said since then, you know, it sounds like number one, that you really know yourself really well. You know what you're capable of, you know how you think and how you work. And sometimes that in itself is the thing that is missing in some cases, right? That people just don't know themselves and they go down the wrong paths. And the other thing I've heard loud and clear is you got a couple of people around you, your mom and your wife that have really guided you, pushed you, kept things in check. To me, those are a couple of things that I've really heard loud and clear. So any thoughts just around that? And then I'll hop into my question. Well, I have spent a lot of time in therapy working on myself. And part of that came when I lost everything. I was lost as a person and I was a freight train that was out of control and it stopped and it stopped on a dime. And you Take that moment to reflect of, well, who am I? What am I doing here? If everything I thought was right turned out to be wrong, then maybe I don't know anything. And as someone who is very confident with themselves, bordering arrogance sometimes, depending on how many glasses of wine I've had, my wife will share, it is critical to have that self-reflection. And one of the things that 
I rely on is the brotherhood of CEOs because it's very lonely. And the challenges of the weight of the world, people who aren't in that position, whether it's a team of five or it's a team of 500 or a team of 5,000, at the end of the day, I am responsible for the lives of every single person in this company. The buck stops here, good, bad, or ugly. And as much as I want everything to be great, sometimes it isn't. I mean, we've had times where we were missing payroll and we had challenges with product launch and challenge with leadership. And at the end of the day, that's up to me. And and how do we fix this? Absolutely. Without a doubt, the support that I have from Tara and now the rest of our C-suite, our COO and CTO are are incredible people and a lot of experience and, and realizing the experience that you need at different times in the company's life cycle needs to change. The people that you start the company with are likely not the people that you're going to end. I mean, Again, going back to Michael Stannis, he's a brother in arms with me. He and I face that fight every day and through the wars, every challenge you can be thrown will be thrown at you at some point in the life cycle of your company. And being able to talk to someone about, did this work? Yes or no? I mean, my wife and I go to counseling together just to make sure that we're working on our relationship. It's the healthiest thing to be able to admit that you don't have all the answers. If you have all the answers, you are delusional. You just don't. And saying that you need that help is, for me, probably the most important thing. And having that vulnerability echoes through the company. When we look to the rest of the team to say, how do we make things better? I don't know how to make the production floor better anymore. I'm too far removed from it. I don't like that. But it's a reality. I have to focus on something else, which is in my wheelhouse that isn't in anyone else's in the business. And so being able to have that trust in the people around you, both personally and professionally, is critical to getting through the day. You know, I have a lot of my family who have worked in the company and still work in the company. My brother was my first employee and he came back. I actually forced him to quit because he was working a second job in his field. And he came back and he said, my industry is changing. I think we can build something great. Will you have me back? And I said, yes, but there's got to be a line. And we do that with everyone that we hire that we have a relationship with. There's a line. We can absolutely have fun on the weekend, but in the offices, it's different. Now, we're bringing them in because we think that they can do something. But I had to let go of my mom. (laughs) I was like, you need to retire. We've put in a new system. And again, she's worked alongside me for, well, since she retired from the bank. And she loved what she did. She loved being involved. But at some point, there's a system that can do that now and we're too big and that's not an easy conversation to have when you're you're sunsetting your mom and it's just it's unfortunately part of the life cycle sometimes but you've got to have that support and that grounding someone to call you out and that's the best person you can have next to you well i'm glad i asked the question and i'm glad you shared that there was a lot of good information there and especially you know and we've heard this many times you know and you said it too you go through a number of failures. And again, it goes back to your definition of success, but you're going to fail a number of times on the way there. So I think that was great. So let's jump into question I want to ask you. It goes like this. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting? Well, I spend a lot of time in the standards committees and groups building framework that is legacy. 
And I don't have every answer. And I always joked when I started 15 years ago that we would be out of business in five years. Well, 15 years later, we're still trucking along. And you know, I think that wisdom says it's not ending anytime soon. We're trying to build something for everyone in the business. And you know, we've had people buy their houses and their first car and pay off their student loans. And we've created a program called AbleDocs Inside Out, where we are hiring former female inmates. We're training them while they're inside a state correctional facility in the U.S. They work for us in there, and then we transition them to a full-time role with housing, benefits, and a full-time job. And one of the challenges, particularly in the United States and the criminal justice system, is that you're basically given a life sentence regardless of what you've done. You can't rent a house. You can't get a mortgage. You can't do anything. But the reality is 95% of the prison population comes home. And do you want to give them an opportunity or not? And my answer is, yeah, we want to give people an opportunity to succeed. So from a legacy project standpoint, that's definitely up there as one of our big ones. So I've never heard that before. And that's amazing. I just learned something, obviously. Uh, (laughs) You're obviously helping a lot of people out in probably ways that they would never, ever be able to have that hand up. So good for you. We're trying one day at a time. You know, I hear answers like that. And of course, it's always different for everybody. But I hear an answer like that. And it's, I remember the day that Al said, hey, I've got this question I think is really good. What do you think about putting it into the episodes? And I just, I'm, I'm thankful that he did that because I'm not sure that would have came out. I don't think you would have bragged about that to us, but I'm glad it did come out because it just reinforces, again, thank you, Mike Stannis for the introduction. And it just proves to me over and over again that really good people know other really good people. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at AbleDocs? LinkedIn is probably the best. We're pretty active on there. I'm happy to give out my email. I mean, anyone can email me at aspencer at abledocs.com or go through the website, but LinkedIn's usually a good way to get me. All right. Just don't randomly phone me. It never works. <laughs> never, works. <laughs> never works. All right. Well, that I even tell it. that to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> that does it for today's episode. I really enjoyed this conversation. As always, I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or join the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. Thank you.